0: The first reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 to 8. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations." And I will be their God. The word of the Lord.
1: The Lord be be with you. The holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Jesus Christ.
2: Would you pray with me? Father, we pray that you direct us now to the purposes you've intended for us by the power of your spirit, and we ask this in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Now, El Shaddai is probably one of the more well-known names of God, uh, also popularized by the Amy Grant hit song. There's a bit of a discussion about the meaning of the name, but it's widely held that El Shaddai means God Almighty or God All-Powerful. And the name uh, first appears in our reading from Genesis, and it will show up a few more times throughout the book. So what are we to glean from this name about who God is, and what does it mean for us today? So in our story, 13 years have gone by since the birth of Ishmael. Now, he's, not a, he's now a teenager at this point, and Abram is 99 years old. God shows up again to pick up where he had left off with the covenant he made quite some time ago. Now, for the first time, God gives out his name. He gives out his name, and it's one of the few times that God names himself outright to people. So God says to Abram, I am God Almighty, I am El Shaddai. Now while we can think of Yahweh as God's personal name, we can think of El Shaddai as God's business name, his legal operating name as it were. It's how God was first known to his people for 400 plus years before Israel went into Egypt. See, later in Exodus, God would fill, in on Mo- fill Moses in on that history and told him, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai. But my, by my name, Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them as Yahweh. So El Shaddai, for hundreds of years, is his business name to his people. Not yet a nation, but a smattering of these covenant people. Households, individuals, patriarchs. So here in our reading... God shows up for his first ever business meeting with Abram. God is now following up on that first signing of the deal. Remember if that time that God, as a smoking pot and torch, walked past the, the carcasses that uh, Abram had cut up. So there's, he's showing up now with more paperwork to go through. Now, we didn't read it all, but the whole chapter 17 of Genesis. It's This is God spelling out the terms, the conditions, the fine print. For Abram, for every man and boy and future males in his care to be circumcised in order to qualify to the covenant in perpetuity. Because so far, God has all the things on his end of the deal to keep. But now, Abram is given one thing. He's just being given one thing to do on his end to do. Do this for me, Abram. Then on top of that, God changes Abram's name to Abraham. Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of multitudes, father of many. The name change, it signals that Abram's identity and future are now different. It's like when a spouse chooses to legally change their name after they get married, it's become official. It's now real. That person can't live for themselves anymore. They're a part of another story, they're part of another history, part of another family. In the same way, God is now charting out a different course for Abraham's life, for Abraham's future. So Abraham can't live his life the same way anymore. See, before all of this had happened, whenever Abraham tried to do things his way, to somehow fast-track the covenant, looking for a shortcut to God's promises. Things got bad, and people got hurt, and we saw that last week. Abraham veered off off course when he doubted God, doubted God's word, and there was a major accident on the road. But every so often, God would step in and bring Abraham back on the road, steer his life back on track, reminding him of who he is who he is supposed to be, who he is becoming. So God is showing up this time. He means business. He is now here much more serious. Not that he wasn't serious before. But God is digging in his heels even more on Abraham. God changes his name. But not just that, God God gets Abraham to change his body, to mark his body with a physical sign of this new identity, this new future. Not only on Abraham, but the bodies of all the boys, the men and future, males, the body of his own teenage son, they're to be changed, also marked with that same sign. It's getting real. It's becoming official. And Abraham, and the rest of his house, needs to keep up with this covenant. No longer is the covenant just words to remember, just a ritual of sacrifices. It's not physically on them. They can feel it. They have to recover from it. They can't miss it at all. So all of this that I've just described, we're now seeing from this story the meaning of El Shaddai taking shape. What does El Shaddai mean? We're seeing the form, the shadows, and the contours of it. God Almighty means He is directing the course and future of His people. El Shaddai means is directing and guiding creation towards its intended purpose. That's what El Shaddai means. Now, for those who missed it, we started this summer series with the name Elohim. It means the powers. Now, now one commentator noted that there's a key difference between Elohim and El Shaddai, both of which pretty much kind of mean the same thing. But they correspond to the different ways that God shows His power. On the one hand, Elohim corresponds to His power to create, to rule and judge all that He has made. Elohim. And on the other hand, El Shaddai corresponds to His power to direct and guide what He made to its intended purpose. It's one thing to make something. It's another thing to make sure it's working properly. That it's going the right way. And that's what we're seeing in this story. El Shaddai showing up in power to make sure Abraham is going the right way. That things are going according to plan. Now, El Shaddai doesn't mean that God is this almighty troubleshooter. Like, he's this cosmic IT guy who can just call up and page and will hack into your life and fix things. No, we we could think of El Shaddai more like a mom or a dad parenting their kid. And any parent knows it's never straightforward with children. You sometimes let uh, the kid learn by letting them make mistakes. You sometimes have to intervene, jump in and flex your grown-up powers. But you can't ever control the kid. You should never manipulate your kid. And you can't even explain everything to them as they're growing up. Like in life, when we now as people, we agonize, when we wonder why, when we ask why and how we're suffering, we're asking these questions to the universe as it were, or to God, if you're a Christian. But should God even explain it all to us, we probably won't even get it. Like with my almost two-year-old daughter, understand that it's not good to just eat blueberries every single meal, no matter how tasty and full of antioxidants they have. If I explain to her that she needs her macros balanced out each meal, she'll just scream at my face. But you know what? That's okay. She can feel angry. She can feel disappointed. She can feel like I don't love her the way she thinks I should. But I'm right there with her. I still love her, and I let her know that. I use my words, but I won't give her just blueberries. And I think it's the same with God and with us in a bigger way. God gives us the dignity and the freedom to feel, to be angry even at him, to be disappointed, to feel despair, and yes, to even feel unloved. We are allowed to feel unloved. But to feel unloved doesn't mean we are not loved or cared for. And even in that feeling, God is always right there with us Still loving us, reminding us he loves us regardless. And then like a parent, he directs, he guides us through the fog of the future. When everything ahead of us feels like new, feels dangerous, feels like it's too much. When we don't even want to go further anymore. God leads us forward when it looks like there's a wall in front of us, or there's a cliff even ahead of us. But he says his arms are around us, always around us, keeping us from straying too far and keeping us from falling too hard on the ground. God will see to it, we're growing up to be who we are meant to be, who we are called to be, mature and perfect, leading us to our intended purpose. God is El Shaddai, the one who directs, the one who guides us to our intended, created purpose, each of us. Do we trust God in this way? Do you trust God in this way? As a child trusts their mom or their dad, do we believe that God, that He will keep His word? What you've read perhaps this morning or the words that you've read for many years in the Bible, do you believe those words right now? That he will do what he promised you. Not just to all of humanity, but to you. That he will be back for us. I'll be back for you. I'll be back for your kids. I'll be back for this world. That I promise to clean up everything. I will make everything new. I will make your life new, your body new, your story renewed. Do you believe him? Do you trust him? In our gospel reading, Jesus in his own way reenacts what God did to Abraham thousands of years ago, but this time with Simon Peter. Yes, Jesus' popularity reached this high point. Jesus took his followers aside to see what they really thought about him, not based on what the polls were saying about him. Jesus asked them, who do you say that I am? I don't care what the survey says, who do you say that I am? Jumps in the always confident Simon. Spoke on everyone's behalf. Jesus, you are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. In a way, this is Simon having that privilege of getting to name Jesus. Getting to name Jesus first for who he is. And so Jesus returns the favor. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. You're Peter. On this rock, I will build my church. Hades will not prevail against you. Jesus changes Simon's name. Jesus changes Peter's identity and Peter's future. Jesus, as it were, makes this covenant with Peter, promising to build the church on the rock. That's what Peter means. Not just because Peter will slowly become the first leader of the church, but on top of the clearest ever confession made about Jesus in the lips of Peter, in which the entire existence and purpose of the church is founded upon. In in a real way, Peter becomes this spiritual father of many, a recapitulation of Abraham. He's a fisher of people, bringing many people into the household of God. In the birth of the church, on the bedrock of Peter's leadership and his confession is the fruit that grew out of that seed that was first planted with Abraham thousands of years ago. We're seeing here again El Shaddai. Jesus now directing and guiding his creation, Peter, Simon Peter, to his intended purpose. And not surprisingly, it keeps coming up all over again. Like Abraham, Peter floundered, in his own faith. You probably know the story. He did not trust Jesus all the time. He, he messed up many times. And he is yet at this point to mess up big time. He would betray Jesus. And he would disown him three times. And then much later on, being now a pastor at this point, Peter even w- would flake out from his own principles. He appeased the Jewish Christian faction. And he just severed himself. Disassociated himself from the non-Jewish Christians. But Jesus always stepped in. Jesus would direct and guide Peter to become the Christian and the leader he was meant to be. Jesus, like a parent, was there with Peter all the way through. He would be right there in front of Peter's face as he asked him, Do you love me, Peter, son of Jonah? Three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? He restores him and commissions him, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. You'd be my senior pastor of the church. And then Jesus later would be right there in front of Peter's face again with, when the Apostle Paul called Peter out for his hypocrisy. And then the Holy Spirit comes and makes him repent. Peter repent, and he needed to course correct. I was dumb, I'm sorry. I was a hypocrite. I needed to include all the Jewish and the non-Jewish people in the fold. I flaked out. I was a coward. Jesus is still around, still directing. He is still guiding each of us in our lives and in our future as his followers. Because he wants to see us grow, mature, to be the people in the community he made us to be. And even as we will mess up from time to time, Jesus steps in gets us back on track. He names us for who we are. He restores us and then sends us out. Jesus is El Shaddai. He is God Almighty. He's the one who directs and guides each of us to our intended purpose. So let us trust Him. That's really what the lesson is here. It's nothing new. We're called, I'm called right now to trust Jesus as El Shaddai, because He said that He is going to direct and guide us to our future and to the purpose and the things that He has promised for each of us. Trust Him. He is El Shaddai. He's guiding you. He is directing all of us to that future. And to His glory, we pray this. We ask for it in His name. Amen.